You're so happy about this music. I am. I'm dancing in the studio. Welcome to another edition of Trinity Radio. I'm Braxton Hunter, and along with me is the illustrious and beautiful... Both are true, uh, Jonathan Pritchett. And we are glad that you all are here. I'm glad to see that you all can hear us. hope that everything is evened out. We are trying out some new equipment as it relates to our microphones. We have some stuff that's supposed to raise up uh, the volume. And so Jonathan should be equal with me. I hope I'm equal with you, but, uh, we'll find out you're, I'm on your level. You're by on the my way, level. The, yes. And by the way, this new equipment is only made possible because of people like MJ Jackson, for example, Matthew Jackson, MJ our good friend, and Jackson. our patrons who support us. Um, grace and peace. Good people. Amen. Praise the Lord. But yeah, we uh, are continuing to try to improve the uh, production value. Uh, well, Braxton is, so we spend the money on that kind of thing. I don't know how any of this stuff works anymore. Yep, cloud but, lifters, MJ Jackson. Yeah. It's a cloud lifter. <laughs> how did he know? He's got the same mic we do, and this mic is the industry standard for this, but it's also a well-known fact that you need to get one of these cloud lifters to boost the volume, so... Yeah, but but he, we only have one, he, and Jonathan that, has I mean, it right that was now. His first guess, and he was like, "Yeah, it can, when you buy this mic, it advertises the cloud lifter with it." Yeah. So okay. Anyway, yeah. So, so you today, guys all know this stuff way more than I do, but um, your donations help make it possible for me to be heard without having to get all the way up on the mic like this. So, um, um, yeah. So so today, I see people already guessing at what our answer will be. Um, but we are going to tackle this question of free will in heaven because there's a comment that's, that needs to go up there cause it's about me. Yeah. But we get these every week. I know. Now. Thank you, Jimmy. Um, 20 years younger. Wow. 20. Come on. Golly. 20. Cause I still think I look like I'm in my forties. So he must be, you look like you <laughs> no longer in your sixties anymore, but, but thank you. It was, it, um, it ended at 75 pounds off, but I'm back up. Uh, five pure muscle mass that I packed on. No, no body fat whatsoever. So in the last five months, I've I, I got from two twenty to to uh, uh two forty five. I'm back up to two fifty, 250, two fifty one in there. And so yeah, moving that's along awesome. with that. And it, by the way, um, I know he's itching to say there doesn't need else. to be a by the way. Yes, there. Of course, there does. By the way, coming soon. If you're interested in fitness and weight loss and health and muscle building and all that stuff, there will be a channel on YouTube that's brand new that is for theology geeks who are into theology and fitness. So watch out for that. It's going to be a sister channel to a bunch of channels already. So uh, that will right be on. coming in the next month or so. 
And Jim Amberg, our channel angel, one of, and he offers $20 super chat and says, hope you guys get to kick back and enjoy Father's Day. Me too. But you got to understand, I am a daughter of two female children. You are the daughter of two. I, no, I'm the father. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and it does that to you. That's what it does <laughs> right. to you. I have a blonde, a redhead, uh, a blonde, a redhead, and a brunette in my yes, house. Yes, you do. And this is what it's done to me. Yes. So, uh, so, but thank you. We will have a good Father's Day. And I, will. I, I am 13 years a father this year. What yeah. about you? Well, I've got a 24-year-old. I've got a 17-year-old and a 14-year-old. So. Okay. I've been at this a little bit longer. Yep. All right. So still got my hair. So, but I've been married longer than you, right? No. <laughs> this is, you've been you got married in two thousand one. Yeah. I got married in two thousand. Dang it. All right. All right. So today, what we're going to do is we're age, going man. to tackle the the. There was recently a debate between inspiring philosophy and uh, cosmic skeptic Alex um, O'Connor, and we're not going to cover the whole debate. It was a really interesting debate. I, I, in fact. I may at some point do a debate review of the whole debate, but uh, there was an interesting thing that seems to have captured some people's interest. And it is the question of how are we going to have free will in heaven and yet there be no evil pain and suffering. Now that is a complex question in one sense and a very simple question to answer in another sense. But cosmic skeptic talked about that. Now I got to tell you of the guys that are out there on YouTube right now. And I, there are several atheists out there that, I have friendly conversations with. It's very cordial. Um, I haven't ever interacted with Cosmic Skeptic, but I think he probably stands the best chance of being one of the future new atheist types. You know, like how we had Dawkins, Hitchens, those type of people. He, you mean an atheist that matters beyond YouTube? Well, it's a scholarly academic atheist yeah. that has books in the bookstores that that you know debates phds i think that's uh i think i think he's i think he's a really good candidate for that and i think he is very eloquent he says hey things we got in a, a very thumbs down. thoughtful way um well it's are you thumbs downing the atheists that i'm talking about i guess so, so that's no, I, 14 thumbs up for us and 114 no that, uh, one thumb down, down. that thumbs down is for us man i own my thumbs down i'm happy to get them i'm happy hate posts have i now, am too youtube doesn't care yeah, they're like hate, someone's hate, interested in this channel right hate posts have become a part of my regular daily devotional I, you know I, it's edifying thank you for the thumbs down. So Norman Geisler said it built. I read atheist propaganda books for my devotion in the morning. Cause it makes me feel closer to God yeah. to see how bad their arguments are. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Another one. All right. So let's, let's, let's stop awesome. that now. And let's talk about, that was one um, of our friends who did that just cause I said, I that. probably so. Probably so. <laughs> Those still men are so we're going to talk about this issue. Cause this is actually, and now they're all doing it. <laughs> this is actually an issue that has come up. Uh, before this is not new, nobody and, and I, Alex didn't say that it was new, a new objection or anything. But I actually wrote a article on this issue in 2015, and you can find it at trinityradio.org and go to the blog section. You can see there on the screen that the blog is highlighted there, or you can just search. There's a search bar on the right. See, there. they had to have been messing with us because they took them back and then added more yeah. over the other side. Yeah. I love you guys. It still made, that made me feel good. Thank you. Go so, on. You, you were talking about important stuff. Yeah. Hit your blog. Uh, at braxtonhunter.com. Yep. And so you can find that there. I don't run the blog anymore. I don't usually put articles up. I haven't in years now, but there's a lot that's already on there. So anyway, you can go read everything that I'm going to say here. Basically, I don't know what Jonathan's going to say, but everything that I'm going to say 
is also there in text format. So yeah. you can go check that out. So, um, all right. So let's uh, get rid of that now. And let's, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to play this clip from Cosmic Skeptic. It's a two minute long clip. I usually don't play clips that long. I usually cut them up, but I don't think there's a need to go back and forth between the clips. We're just going to play it. Let him say this whole chunk for two minutes and then we'll, and then we'll respond to that for a while. And then we'll probably just do question and answer for the rest of the show. So, yeah. uh, or statement and answer. I don't ever like to presume that we're these, you know, wise gurus and you're bringing us your questions, uh, statements and, or questions and answers. We are going to answer what you say, even if you just make a statement. So, all right, let's go ahead and jump in and hear what Alex O'Connor has to say. Is there free will in heaven? Heaven is a place devoid of suffering where nobody's killing anyone. No one's torturing anyone. No holocausts or wars are taking place. Yet presumably, unless heaven is the kind of robotic um, compelled nature condemned by Michael, there must also be free will. If this is the case, then here we have an example of humans existing with free will and yet there being no evil. Michael may wish to respond to this by saying that those in heaven still have a capacity for, for evil, but the very reason they're in heaven is because they're the kind of person who refuses to act upon it. But in order to hold this view, some things must be assumed. Firstly, that it's possible that evil can exist in heaven and can be committed in heaven. That is, though in practice nobody commits it, there is no, there's nothing logically preventing a holocaust from taking place in heaven. And you may just bite the bullet on this point um, and say, yeah, it's no problem because it's not going to happen in practice. But this is difficult for me to believe that there's nothing logically preventing a Nazi holocaust reoccurring in heaven. Uh, a possible escape to this might be to suggest that the people in heaven are so good, the reason they're in heaven is because they're so good that it's psychologically impossible for them, essentially, to commit evil. But there are two problems with this. First, if it's really impossible for them to commit evil, then on Michael's own account, it's also impossible for them to be good, since to be good requires the capacity to be evil. If this is denied and it's asserted that it can be psychologically impossible for some people to commit evil, and yet then still being a free being in, a, in the relevant sense, uh, then uh, what we have, essentially, uh, is proof... Uh, is, yeah, we have proof that God is capable of producing humans who somehow have free will and yet are still incapable of committing evil, even if just as a matter of psychological impossibility. If that can obtain logically in heaven, it can obtain logically on earth too. If the reason being given for the necessity of evil is that human free will requires it, but God is capable of producing human beings with free will who are yet incapable of committing evil, the free will defense collapses. Nope. All right. So, um, so real quick, you... I'm going to give away a free book. If someone can, uh, in the chat can, cause the first thing he said was heaven is a place. So I'm going to give away a free book. If you can name this song, heaven is a place where nothing really happens. That's, gonna... a, that's the line from the song. You're going to give away a free book. If you can name that song and somebody's artist... just going to Google it. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. All right. That's fine. All right. It's like $2 in postage. I mean, somebody just gave, MJ just gave us money. I mean, we can. Use, yeah. I got to send MJ books now that we're not in COVID-19 anymore. Yeah, I haven't forgot, right. buddy. I, but I'm going to give a free book to somebody who can name the, that, the song and the artist. Um, everything you just said was bum fuzzled. Can I say that word? Um, it was not very uh, cogent. 
for a number of reasons. But yes, there you go. But that's just the that's just the band. That's not the the name of the song. Um, yeah. Now turn. Yes, all you Google folks. Anyway, so the problem with his answer is that when you start giving answers that you're anticipating the objections and trying to respond to those objections without actually having listened to the person's response is you may make some basic errors, right? Um, so this is where we're going to have to ask our audience to, when we're, when you're to bear with some speculative theology, because when you're talking about heaven, um, to be quite honest, we don't have a lot of data to go on. <clears throat> and so there's going to be some philosophical musings coming from these two microphones today. And if you don't agree with it, you don't have to. Um, but we are just going to be, you know, we're just going to be giving you some pretty... Are you having for, a stroke? Well, for some people, it's going to be somewhat shocking to hear some of the things that we say if they don't understand how philosophy works. So just bear with us. We'll try to... Yes, Michael Edwards, good job. He finished. He, he got the title. Okay, so we're going to do some philosophy stuff. i going to write that down. Michael Edwards. And he needs to Edwards. send a... This is a good opportunity for us to use our email accounts that you made that we've never used. Yeah, give them yours. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's Jonathan at TrinityRadio.org. There you go. Jonathan, at, email me your home address at Jonathan at TrinityRadio.org. And if in six months he hasn't done it, then send it to Braxton at TrinityRadio.org. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll get it done. But, but, but seriously, and because I know that for atheists and Christians alike, the second you talk about philosophy... Uh, they're saying, oh, they're just making it up, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, they're just shooting from the hip. Well, if you're philosophically trained, no, but uh, it may sound that way. So we're just warning you in advance because <clears throat> the number one problem with his thing is the assumptions that he has um, that seem to have gone not completely thought through. So Braxton, you want to explain one of those assumptions that so, he has? Well, well, here's what we're looking for to, to evade the objection or criticism that he's kind of hitting at. Um, what we need is we need there to be free will in heaven. Yes. No evil in heaven. Right. And an explanation for how that could be the case. And yet wasn't the case here on earth. If God could do that. Right. Okay. So, so that's, so really this is great because, all a person has to do is give an explanation of that, which means we don't even have to know for sure if what we're giving is ultimately the right answer. That right. We just need a philosophical defeater. Right. If the claim is something like that can't happen, we're just all we have to do is say, well, here's a way it can happen. Therefore, the claim that it can't happen fails. That's a defeater. So, yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know what assumptions you're thinking of, but let, let me just go ahead and talk a little bit about this. Well, so, the number one assumption that I, I have a problem with is the assumption that if God could create libertarian free creatures where they did not sin or do evil, and if that's possible in heaven, then it was possible here on earth. Yeah, that is a wrong assumption. That is a wrong assumption. Yeah, but I prefer to organize that at the end of the rant that I'm about to Okay. Give. Okay, so first, there are a couple of ways that people have gone about well, this. That was one. Some of you may have seen, actually, William Lane Craig on Capturing Christianity. Everybody knows William Lane Craig is a personal hero of mine, but uh, I disagree with him on this issue. And the reason oh. for that is because 
I, so one of the options you could you could have is you could say, okay, determinism is just going to be the case in heaven. But of course, we've said we don't think that determinism is the case. Uh, another option is maybe maybe it's like this. Maybe and this is kind of like what Craig said. Maybe it's like this. We you will have freedom in heaven, but there will just be one less thing you'll be able to do, namely sin. And that's kind of like, let's imagine that Alice is an alcoholic and, and if suddenly all alcohol or the potential to create alcohol was removed from planet earth, she would still maintain her libertarian freedom in the sense that she can choose among options. It would just be that there was one type of option that's no longer available to her, namely the consumption of alcohol. So she could even still will freely to drink. She could even still will to drink, right? but she just couldn't do it. In the same way that I can will to fly like a bird, even though if I attempted it, I would plummet to the ground. Right, yeah. Which is interesting because in-house discussion, Calvinists often say, uh, you you can only will according to your nature, so you can't will to fly like a bird. Well, yeah, sure we can. We can't deliver to ourselves on it. We can't actually fly like a bird, but we can will to fly like a bird. Yeah, I'm doing it right now. But anyway, so that's one thing, is take away one thing, sin. Now, I don't find that satisfactory. It's kind of, it's kind of, I have actually heard Craig in one other place, I couldn't tell you where, maybe in one of the question of the week things, actually say he thinks compatibilism, I think he said compatibilism would be the case in heaven, which would basically be um, some kind of a determinism. Yeah, I don't agree with that. And I don't agree with that at all. And I'm surprised that he would hold that position. So perhaps I'm, I'm not remembering that properly, but let's go with the assumption that he means you're going to have libertarian free to will in heaven, but there'll be one less thing, uh, namely sin. Now, here's the problem. If it were one thing like alcohol, you could actually remove alcohol and that no longer be in play. But sin is not a thing and it's not a one thing. Um, To sin, uh, you know, obliquely put, is to disobey God, rebel against God, work in opposition to God in some way, what he wants. And that's not a thing. There is an opportunity for that every moment of every day. You know, you can you could do that at almost any moment if you chose to. So I don't think it's I'm not even sure it's possible to remove to keep free will and remove sin like a thing from heaven where it's just not even a thing anymore. I just I don't think that works. Um, so that's off the table. Any thoughts on that? Well, also, I want to distinguish between sin, the I, what, we, what we mean by sin and evil. Uh, they're typically yeah, synonymous, but evil can exist you know, I mean, we, we can think about evil, evil, we can think about evil in and of itself without talking about sin, because depending on what law is in heaven, you know, um, and if we just, just take the summary law of love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself, you know, that if you take those as basically the mandate of heaven, for example, there's nothing says that, but I'm just saying, you know, explicitly, but just, um, you could still fail that. Um, but you could also think about the capacity for evil not being there. So where there is no law, there is no transgression, right? There's no accounting for that. So we don't necessarily know what kind of law there will be. Um, but could bad things happen, you know, in the general sense? What you're hitting at is really important, which is typically when we talk about the, I teach a class on the problem of suffering here. And one of the things that you typically, these are used interchangeably. Yeah. by most people. Problem of suffering, problem of pain, problem of evil. Yeah. 
But when we're talking about free will in heaven, because basically what you're wanting to say is anything bad, right? Anything right, bad, bad. Why is it happening? Okay. But when we're talking about heaven, for the answer that we're going to give, this sort of heavenly answer about this, what we're going to need to do is use a much more precise instrument and understand that pain and suffering, we're going to have to set over here for a minute, and you'll see why as we move forward, and say with evil, we're talking specifically not not everything that's bad, like or, or not everything that there is, like pain and suffering, um, but also but specifically moral evil, right? And um, and death we could put in this category as well because we believe that there will be no more death. Yes. So so death and moral evil is what we're talking about here. Pain and suffering is is a secondary issue that we're going to talk about next. But suffice it to say, when you're talking about moral evil, which was where I was using the word sin, yeah. or death, uh, well, with moral evil with sin, I don't think you could just remove that like a thing, like alcohol. I, I just don't think that works philosophically. Um, Maybe it's category. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, so that's so, okay. So that's that's the problem. So some people give that answer, and that's my response to that answer. Yeah, we don't like it. Um, now, uh, the, the answer that I think is more satisfying is but more complicated, is, is a bit more complicated, but not yeah. really. And, and it's and it's this. So you it is. So it is true that we'll have libertarian freedom in heaven, which for those that may not know the terminology, libertarian freedom is the type of freedom that most people think they have without anyone telling them the philosophical language, just the ability to have done other than whatever you ended up doing. You could have done something else or nothing external to you determined your actions, right? right? No one's moving you like a puppet. Okay. So you'll have libertarian freedom in heaven and there won't be moral evil or death. Um, but here's why. So, so if I, so I have, so as I said a while ago, I have two human daughters, right? Um, when both of them were about two years old or maybe younger than that, sitting out in the sandbox, they picked up sand and put it in their mouth and tried to eat it. Okay. And obviously they spit it out. They, this is gross. Um, now as time moves on, uh, they're going to do that less as they get older to the point where now for either of my daughters, one's 12, one's nine for either of them, they're not going to eat sand, right? It's it's not going to happen. Now I I'm not going to, even though they did it as children, when they're 35 years old, I'm not going to be staying up all night worrying that they're, that they have a sand addiction, uh, that they're somewhere eating buckets of sand. I'm not worrying about it. It's not going to happen. Now, could they logically do it? Is it logically possible that they could at 35 years old as women pick up sand and ingest it? Yes, it's logically possible, but will they do it? No. And the idea is absurd given what they know. Why? Because they experienced this time of learning prior where they learned what that is and how ridiculous it is to try and do something like that. Right. Now, in the same way, or in a similar way, at least in heaven, I do believe that it will be logically possible. This is the part of this where Dr. Pritchett mentioned you might freak out about the doctrinal implications of this and turn us off, but hang with us. Don't declare us heretics yet uh, because uh, it's too early in the episode for you to already be thinking the hosts are heretics. So in heaven, um, so you, you would, the idea is you would, it would be logically possible. Like it's not logically impossible for you to sin, to do some moral evil. 
But it would be like eating sand, given what you know, and being in the presence of God. And the very idea is absurd. Now, it's the inverse of something else. So think about this. Um, when you think about experience here on earth, is it logically possible for a particular person uh, to, is it, is it logically impossible for an individual to choose not to sin in a particular given situation? Yeah, they could. Um, is it then logically possible for them not to sin in 10 uh, situations? Yeah. So is it at least logically possible that a person goes through a whole life and never sins? Yeah, it's logically possible. You say, oh, you're a Pelagian. No, because <laughs> here's the thing. It, though it's logically possible, no one ever does it. And the Bible tells us no one ever will. In Romans 3.23, um, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Except, of course, Jesus. Jesus did do it showing that it's logically possible for at least one person, right? So it's logically possible for an individual to never sin. It's just, it never happens. And the idea is absurd, right? The inverse will be true in heaven. Is it logically possible for someone to sin? It's logically possible for someone to sin, but it never happens. And the idea is absurd. And if the worry is, but you're leaving open the possibility that it might happen. No, I'm not because we already have revelation that tells us that it won't, or at least is best explained as it won't ever happen. Right. So just because something is logically possible that there is an invisible unicorn sitting right here between me and Braxton, doesn't mean there is one. It's just logically possible. That's all we're saying. It's right. And just because it's logically possible that someone could say, it doesn't mean that they ever will, because that will be the equivalent of eating dirt or sand. And since nobody's going to do it, and we also have further confirmation in divine inspired revelation that that's not going to be the case, it's perfectly okay to posit that while it's logically possible, it won't ever be actual. Because the world that was actualized, actualized a world where there is no sin in heaven. Doesn't mean that free creatures couldn't, it just means that they won't. And it was Edward asked a question earlier. He said, all that is nice and great and whatever. He said, but why didn't God create that world now? Mm. And so that was a question. Do you want to tackle that one? Well, yeah. So it's the, this is the sandbox. We're yes. in the sandbox. Right. And so there's a, there's a thing about possible worlds and feasible worlds. Okay. And Maybe you want to explain the difference between that. So You're what the, do you? So it doesn't matter whether you buy into Molinism because some of you will recognize right. this as sounding like Molinism. So basically, what we're saying is okay. So in in possible world semantics, you're saying God would be aware if He's omniscient, especially if He has what we would call middle knowledge. So maybe right. it is Molinism. Um, but God is aware of all the possible ways the world could be, the possible worlds. These are not actual worlds that exist somewhere. They're just possible worlds. Uh, a world is a possible world if it doesn't have any contradictions and is coherent. A world is an impossible world if it does. So like a world filled with square circles and married bachelors is an impossible world. Um, so a possible world. So God is aware of all the possible worlds. Is there a possible world where everyone here on earth as it is right now never sins anymore? Is there a possible world where Adam and Eve never sinned? I think that's a possible world in the sense that it involves no contradictions. Right. You say, well, then why didn't God actualize that world? Why didn't he make that possible world? And folk, listen to me, Internet. 
listen to me closely because atheists and some of my Calvinist brothers and sisters misunderstand this point all the time. And I want to make it as clear as I can right now. And I'll do that after I mention this super chat. Robert Geiler, happy Friday. I am so glad that you're here, Robert Geiler. He's one of our adjunct professors at Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary, a close friend and the purchaser of this microphone. Yes, thank you Thank you, you so, much. so, so much, Robert Geiler. We love you and we're glad that you're a part of the Trinity family and you out there can be part of the Trinity family by visiting us at trinitysem.edu, trinitysem.edu, and talking to us about becoming a student. Thank you so much, Robert Geiler. So, internet, listen to me. There are possible worlds and there are feasible worlds. What's the difference? A possible world, all something has to be to qualify as a possible world is there aren't any contradictions in it. So we can imagine those worlds, basically, and they're not contradictory. However, a feasible world is... If God wants to create a world of free creatures, there is a subset of those possible worlds. And those are the worlds that once he gives man libertarian freedom, this is what actually shakes out. Right. Think of it this way. It is not logically impossible that when you spin a roulette wheel, that it'll hit any particular thing you can imagine, right? <laughs> but yeah. when you actually go to spin the roulette wheel, there there is a subset of those options that that is actually the case, right? Okay, so there may so what we what we would say is it appears we would surmise that while there is a possible world where Adam and Eve never sin, where the world goes on and nobody ever sins, there is no feasible world like that. There is no world where God gives man libertarian freedom and that actually turns out to be the case. Right. And so as a result of that, what th- what this world would be, the world that God actualizes is a world where we learn what evil is like and we we get certain benefits and these, this is where some of the things that inspiring philosophy brought out in the debate about we get these other goods that also happen to come through that virtue and all and so whenever you hear a cosmic skeptic or pine creek or whoever else that's talked about this this week say something like but i don't care about the virtue if i could not have the evil well there may not be a feasible world like that so given the world that we do have of free creatures the one that most aligns, the world of free creatures that most aligns to what God wants, we actually get these better goods because God redeems the evils and gives us things like these virtues. And by actualizing this world that does have both evil and libertarian free will in it, God achieves all of his purposes of redemption in the world that he actualizes. Remember, when God created the heavens and the earth, he had aims from before the foundation of the world, right? Uh, In Christ. He had aims given the world that he actualized. And it could be the case that the actualization of this world with the sin and evil in this world, the eating of the sand, made the actual world that includes the future heavens and earth sinless mm-hmm. because of it, because of the fully re- redeemed nature of of the whole program of redemption leads to that and so why didn't he create that world in the beginning because the actual world that was actualized was the feasible world in which all of god's aims were accomplished including a heaven and a new heavens and new earth free from all sin and moral wickedness so yeah again you don't have to buy this but that is a philosophical defeat as long as what i'm saying is possible yeah and until you shoot holes in that that it's, it's logically impossible then this doesn't get this then, criticism then doesn't com- go through. Yeah. So whether you believe what we're saying or not is utterly irrelevant. I don't know how much we 
are committed to this idea. I'm, I'm 65, 70%. But our job is to you make an argument, you, you start spewing out possible objections, and guess what? We come back, and because we're you know, philosophically minded and reason and logic are applied to the questions and the challenges. Here's our uh, response. If nothing else is a defeater, and by the way, our Calvinist friends, something that, you know, a defeater is a defeater. You, well, a Calvinist, you know. and here's the thing. The ca- here, here, I, I mean, thought, Feinberg I'll, I'm whines the, about, yeah, I'm going to throw yeah. the Calvinist a bone. Yeah. You don't, Calvinists don't have a problem with this. They're like, yeah. There's no free will in heaven. There's no free will right now. Yeah. At least there's compatible, you know, there's not, it's determinism all the way is basically yeah. the point. Um, but then there are other problems that we think. Right. And know. that the atheist could challenge you. Robert too. Geiler, no, you're fine. You're totally fine. You can interrupt my spitting fire or splitting fire yeah. anytime you want. All right, listen. Now, I had something important to say. Oh, I'm going to turn an, a common atheist trope completely around and use it against them. Do it with one hand tied behind my back. And it's this, you know, many atheists will say, um, I commit all, they'll say like when you say, well, if you, if if you didn't have objective morality, you would go do all these sins. You would kill people and all these kind of things. And they'll say, I kill exactly as many people as I want to kill. And that's none. Okay. Someone says, well, if people can choose, they want to do wars in heaven and all that. You know what? The people in heaven are going to commit, are going to engage in exactly the number of wars they want. They're going to engage in exactly the amount of evil they want. And you know what it's going to be? None. Zero. Because Zero. they've already been in the sandbox. They've already experienced that. Now they're in the presence of God. They're glorified. That's a whole doctrinal thing that we could get into. But the bottom line is, you, yeah, you can you can do what you want. It's that your wants are going to be aligned with what they should be not by someone manipulating it, but, by, but in your own libertarian free will. Yeah. So I, I see this as, um, a defeater, a defeater to the claim. Now let's move on to the second aspect of this. And again, I disagreed a little bit with Craig. Um, you know, disagree with IP. I'm going to disagree a bit with IP just because there was wars in heaven prior to, um, the, even the fall of Adam, you know, we're, the angels fell and all of that. It doesn't follow that that must be necessarily the case in the new heavens and new earth. Yep. So I don't know that I buy some of his answer. I don't have a problem with this. It's not like, Oh, I have a theological objection and shame on you. I don't, I don't, I'm not ate up like other Christians get ate up about how certain people answer questions, whatever your answer is fine. I just, uh, Michael, I just, I just don't think I agree with that. But what I do agree with, I think, is if we define suffering not as moral wickedness, but if we define suffering as if in the new heavens and new earth there's a gym or I still have my home gym gear and I want to work out in the new heavens and the new earth and it makes my muscles sore, uh, if we want to call that kind of pain, uh, it's a good pain, um, yeah, I don't. I don't think I become invincible. I, I don't. While I don't believe that there's death as possible, oh, this is the second. We're moving on to the second. Right. Yeah. I do think that it's possible that you could stub your toe and have a reaction to it. <clears throat> uh, I do think that you're not going to do everything. You don't become God in heaven, so it's not like you achieve perfection in, in all of your knowledge and in all of your endeavors. I don't believe that. I think that's. I think mistakes. I think uh, things like that comes with not being divine. Now, a mistake is not necessarily a sin. 
It's not you. You have not committed an act of moral wickedness. Is if you get to heaven and you still can't do calculus the way that you would like to, and luckily you have all the time in heaven you need to perfect it. But I don't think you become instantly good at calculus just because uh, you have been raised to glory. Yeah. So no. the idea that there is going to be uh, suffering in the sense of effort, uh, maybe soreness. Yeah, there's something uh, good about this. Right. The working of your muscles after a long day's work and then your muscles are a bit sore. That's a good thing. That That's not... Okay, we could qualify it as suffering in some sense, but in the best sense. Like, it's not, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. And this is where in philosophy, we can get into this thing. We can, we can create a situation where it's, we could say something like, well, yeah, but if you extrapolate that out into potentially infinite future, then all of that suffering equals ultimate suffering in the distance or somewhere like two train tracks converging in the distance. Only if philosophically you, you believe the, the silly thing that the fact that we can label something as suffering means it's a problem. It's not a problem that you work and your muscles are a bit sore. It's not a problem that you sweat. It's not a, these are not problems. And in one sense, people like me and Pritchett have a more earthy view of heaven, which is appropriate given the new heaven on the new earth. Right. right. And so, um, I, I think that, that it's a realistic thing. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an, it's a physical existence. If you're imagining some ethereal in the cloud somewhere, you've got it wrong. Um, N.T. Wright used to say, um, heaven is great, but it's not the end of the world or something right. like that. Yeah. You know? So, so th- yeah. th- this, this new existence is, uh, is an interesting one. Now, what yeah, I do you're like still, about you're still you're and you become more fully human in the way that mm-hmm. Jesus was fully human, mm-hmm. uh, but without sin, you will be fully human glorified. You'll be like Jesus in his glorified resurrected body. Um, but Jesus still ate food, right? Yep. Uh, so, so we are going to eat food, mm-hmm. you know, and that, so, so it's not like you're, you, some of the ideas people have about heaven is they think it's, you know, either incorporeal, which is totally antithetical to Christianity. Yeah. It's Gnostic. Well, yeah. Uh, or, or it's, you become godlike. Uh, in the sense that, oh, well, we'll have all that sorted out in heaven. Like the second you down, you, you get to heaven, they download your brain like the Matrix. You know, all of God's knowledge. No, you don't become on. You don't get all the answers to your questions the second you walk into the pearly gates or whatever. Um, and these people have these ideas that you just become invincible. Uh, a deathless world doesn't mean that I can't do that to Ow. Braxton in heaven and Jeez. have a little pop to it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it. it it's like I think I'm on the train with Wright and C.S. Lewis and them who say, you know, it's a it's a, it's a lot like this world. You can call it heaven if you like, but it's a lot like this place is just tougher, harder, more real, you know, firmer, firmer. Yeah, yeah. You're so, you're now echoing the Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. Yes, I know. Yeah. But but I'm just saying I think I'm on board with that. <clears throat> now, could I be wrong? Absolutely. Okay, so but now it's as good as anything. I've heard. So now here, here's one thing that IP said that I've thought about a lot. And never, maybe I've said it on Trinity Radio. I don't know, but I liked that someone else echoed it, kind of. And I've never read it anywhere. But the idea that, you know, people say, well, oh, you Christians think that you're so special when you're just this little speck in this vast universe that we don't even really know how big it is and all that. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Currently, that's the case. But I don't have any reason to believe that in the 
potentially infinite future, we won't explore further the cosmos. And if that sounds silly to you, we're doing it right now, like in real life, like right now. Yeah, we, we would just be doing it better in the new heavens and new earth. Elon Musk even, put yeah. a car in space, right. folks, just because he could. Uh, we're going to go to Mars eventually if the, if the Lord does not return, you know, in, in, in but our we're going to go to Mars. I'm on, I'm on board with IP and I'm glad he's yeah, like, this. yeah. Uh, maybe not wars in the future. Heaven is, uh, you know, I believe, well, okay. Logically possible, but never actual. I don't, I, I have to pay more attention again to see if he's actually saying it's could be actual. Cause I don't know if he ever said that. It or said not. what now? If, if Michael said that it's actual, that there will be, um, no, I don't be, think he said, I think he's just, Saying, if he's saying what we're saying, he, then I well, do agree with I think, what he's saying. He certainly gave the impression that it was more than that. But yeah. the, the the idea was he was like we would kind of smacking down this idea yeah. of, oh, it's logically impossible. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, okay, Michael, if you do think it's more than what we're saying, then I disagree with you slightly, even though I don't care that you said it because I think I, <laughs> it's not a big deal that you said it. I have no doctrinal shame on you. Uh, I don't. I don't hand those out. Other people hand those out. I don't hand them. But I'm 100% on exploring the cosmos. Um, yeah. Because you were to subdue the whole Earth. Could and, be me and you, man. Yeah, we could arrive at some distant planet. That's right. Not like the Mormons. It's not like we get <laughs> right. our own planet. <laughs> yeah. But uh, as explorers. Yes. And I think that I don't know why Christians don't we, have a bigger. And I, this is what I love about yeah. it. It's, it. It's inspiring philosophy is exactly what it is. Thank you, Michael. Because Christians don't have a vision for out of space very well now. Yeah. Uh, and they certainly don't have one in the ages to come where they think maybe they do think maybe the atheists have a little bit of justification in saying sitting on harps or sitting on clouds strumming harps because a lot of Christians do give that impression. inspiring philosophy yeah. is in the chat. He says, yes. I agree with you. Praise the Lord. Inspiring philosophy. As, well, as some you... people were saying in our chat uh, and, and I maybe want to go listen again where he's like, man, he was saying there's going to be all kinds of chaos. <laughs> That's like the impression they got. Now, I, I wonder how they got that impression. I have no idea because I don't get that impression. But He says, um, I'm, I know I agree with you. I'm not saying future wars will happen. Right. I think he's just saying like us. It's there's no reason to say it's not logically possible. Right. Oh, now here's a criticism that someone could raise. Someone yeah. who, perhaps someone who wants to sound pious or someone who is impacted we by... We got a shirt for people like Someone that, who is impacted by pious blather might might like the idea of saying this. And that is... Well, if you're saying there is at least some, po if you're saying it's logically possible that wars could happen, okay, in heaven, in the future, then you are saying that in some possible world, wars happen in heaven. And that just sounds terrible. Well, understand, what matters for this defeater, this philosophical defeater to go through is not whether in some possible world it happens. Fine, fair enough. It's whether it happens in the actual world. Yeah, does and that God, possible world exist? And, no, so and, who cares? And God would know. Yeah. In actualizing, if God has middle knowledge, as we've argued for, yeah. he would know which world to actualize of free creatures. So um, there's a possible yeah. world where the pink unicorn that's invisible, but still pink is sitting between us. But that world doesn't exist, even though it's possible. So I see no reason out. it's not possible. Right. I, I don't know if it's impossible. I don't think it's impossible. It's possible, man. No, I'm agreeing. My unicorn, my invisible unicorn. Analogy. I'm just doing what I do, which right, is to caveat everything. I'm just saying. But look at this screen right now, because I want to tell you something, Internet. That we have said many times that Trinity Radio is the Millennium Falcon of YouTube channels. One day in the kingdom, it may be a literal Millennium Falcon as Pritchett and I explore the universe. That's All right, right. So, um, so, all right. 
I think that kind of sums it up for me. I'm, I'm kind of, I feel like we've kind of answered that. Does yeah. anybody have any questions, comments, uh, fears, worries, criticisms? Yeah, this is what we're saying. It's logically possible that somebody could do something bad in heaven. But it's they won't. Never going and to the happen. idea is absurd. Right. Like the child who eats sand when they're a kid, but not when they're 35. Right. They're just having conversations among themselves. Yeah, they don't care what we're saying. That's fine. If um, I was clever enough, I could tell IP that I'd like him to join us and he could he could jump on Skype and, and join. You can do that, IP, if you want to do that. Um, do you know how to do that? I, kind of, yeah. You know how to do that in the middle of the show? Yep. Uh, I think. Where it wouldn't cause I think so, your yeah. system to crash. Yep. And you sitting there staring and I'm having to suck up all the dead air while you try to figure that I out. I mean, that's a live, that is a logical possibility. <laughs> Uh, for security reasons, you've been signed out of Skype huh. on your own computer. Yeah. I don't that's even know. That's I, because your computer knows that I sneak into your office when you're gone. I, yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah, he's still here. Yeah. There, he's still there, here. There's a doctor, Dr. Gildo. I think he told us. Why do you have better beards than you? Because I shave. I don't why. think we'll be eternal in heaven either. I believe the tree of life sustains us. Now, yeah, now the tree, it's interesting, the tree mentioned in the final chapter of Revelation is... The tree that's on, the, the singular tree that's on both sides of yeah. the river. Yeah. On either side of the river tree. is the tree of life yeah, that bears 12 tree, manner of fruits. Yeah. And, the, and the leaves of the tree are for the healings of the nations. Yes. Now, if that is not imagery, but if it, if it is literal, um, this would be good if, if we could get him on here because mm-hmm. he's done this series on uh, Genesis... But, um, uh, talk for a minute, Pritchett. It's more fun watching you fumble about trying to enter in a password that's your own password and you're not getting it. But anyway, it's not gonna... <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to enter in his password and he's going to have to go through this whole, send himself the, the reset and all of that because he, yeah, it's not, it's not going to happen. This is dead air. It's not going to happen. Yeah. You, you Just forget it. Right. Sorry. Sorry, Michael. We were going to try, but this Man, is, that would have been awesome. Yeah, that would have been awesome. But oh, well. you, you can't remember your own passwords. This is why hey, Max if you, hey, you out of if your If you guys thing. want Michael to come on to our show sometime in the near future and talk more about heaven and maybe talk about how the tree in Genesis relates to um, Revelation and whether and that's... And idealism again and, and exploring idealism. the cosmos um, in the new heavens and new earth because that's awesome. Thank you so much may- for having a vision for the future, and maybe so few Christians, and maybe do. talk a little bit about what William Lane Craig is doing right now with with Genesis and yeah. and how he views that. If you'd like him to do that, um, put IP in the chat. Because in my contemporary, put IP in yeah. the chat. In my contemporary uh, contemporary apologetics two course, I go on a whole thing about this idea that Christians and their lack of vision for the future and space exploration and everything else. That's why we have to defend crappy hymns like God of Earth and Outer Space because at least it has a vision for, you know, exploration. Well, I feel like we're losing people now. Uh, yeah, they're like, oh, <laughs> so, this is, this is So does anybody else have, um, does anybody else have anything uh, that they want to say? Do y'all need us to clarify anything? Zom is here. Remember Zom? Yeah. Because we can't go back, we can't go. Copy IP, and IP, IP, IP. They're yeah. all coming through. IP wrote IP. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Then it's yeah. done. It's if, done. If you asked us something 
go back and copy and paste and resubmit your question because we were lost. Yeah, and tag Trinity Radio. Yeah. Um, I I thought there was questions, but I I lost count. Um, um someone said so. Uh, Edward says, let's see. Edward says Trinity Radio. Does not the belief in hell supersede the belief in Jesus as Savior? If so, wouldn't you have to demonstrate the existence of hell first? Um, I let me see if I can understand what you what you mean by this. Um, are you saying that like the reason we would need Jesus as a Savior has to do with we'd be saved from our sin and and also hell? So then you would have to show me there's a hell to show me why I need Jesus. Is that is that what you're saying? I, I don't I don't when, know. When, when you ask the question, does not, you can answer no, because it, 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 the question negates so. Let me talk a little bit about it, though. First, obviously, there are different okay. views on hell, but here's the thing. If God exists and God raised Jesus from the dead, and if we have good reason to believe that the statements by Jesus in the Gospels related to hell, which, if you count up the parallels, there are four occasions where Jesus talks about Gehenna. Now, for those that may not know, there are four words translated in the Bible as hell. Unfortunately, the authors of the King James just went ahead and put hell for all of them, when clearly at least the New Testament authors had different things in mind when they were when they were writing this. Um, there is Sheol, which is the Hebrew Old Testament word for the grave or death, and, um, and, and the New Testament equivalent is Hades. So you've got Sheol, Hades. Um, Hades seems to be used by Jesus in like Luke 16 to refer to, uh, the, uh, intermediate place, uh, what, you know, obviously there's a difference between people that are dead now and wherever they might be versus, uh, when your body and soul cast into hell after the judgment. So you've got Sheol, Hades, that's Hades, that intermediate place. You've got Tartarus, which seems to be some sort of a holding place. And then you've uh, for deep for the demonic. And then you've got Gehenna. Now, Gehenna is the only one out of the four that that we think might be referring to after the judgment hell, like hell, hell, as you're th- used to thinking of hell. Jesus refers to Gehenna on four occasions. If you can, You'll find him talking about it more, but if you count up the parallels in the Gospels, it seems he talked about it four times. Once was... He, he told the Pharisees, how will you escape Gehenna? He says, you cut off, you should dismember yourself so that you don't go to Gehenna. It's better that you gouge out your eye, cut off your arm or leg than to go to Gehenna. Um, he wasn't saying to actually do those things. It was, it was hyperbolic. Um, he says, what else does he say? Don't call someone a fool. Don't say Raka or, or you'll face the fires of Gehenna. Yeah. And there's one other one that I'm not thinking. But if the guy who right rose now. from the dead was warning you about this place, no, oh, you don't oh the, fear my father and yeah, fear the one who can destroy Luke the, chapter two. Yeah, don't don't fear the one that can destroy the body, body but the body and soul in right. Gehenna. And then of course James refers to the fire of Gehenna, but it's completely ambiguous. Talking about your tongue, your tongue. It's it just saying you've got a hell of a bad mouth, basically. Is what. He, mm-hmm. So so uh, the tongue is set aflame by the fire of yeah. Gehenna, is what he says there. Yeah. So you've got these different. Uh, you you've got when you count them up. So when you hear a preacher say, Jesus talked more about hell than anybody in the new Testament, you're right. He's right. Your preacher is right. He did, but he only had to talk about it four times right. to accomplish that feat. So, uh, anyway, the, but yeah, Gehenna wrong. refers to the Valley of Hinnom. That's yeah, right. Your preacher Outside is wrong if he Gate. says he talked about that more than he talked about the kingdom of heaven though, because right. So, so anyway, um, scroll, you got to scroll back up. There was a ton of good questions. Well, yeah. And so wait a minute. So, if, a, G- if Jesus' statements yeah. are right, and if that's what he's talking about, then the resurrection and the reliability of the Gospels would give you the hell that he's saving you from. 
All right, what what there's, now? Are we there's doing? a lot of good questions. Go up Where? more, up more. Is up it all more. hell stuff? No. Oh, there it is. Expanding truth. So what you're saying is that if evil did not exist, we would so not we, be able to appreciate the good glory of heaven. That's not what we're saying, but we're but but I think that that's also true. It's a positive byproduct, right? That that is also true, but that's not ex- exactly what we're saying. What we're saying is a little bit more technical than that. God actualizing this world that that exists was the world in which he accomplished all of his purposes that had both sin and libertarian free creatures and a subsequent new heavens and new earth that had libertarian free will and no sin. So we have both stated that it is possible but not feasible to have just created the world at the start with libertarian free creatures and no sin, but the world that he actualized in order, I think, and again, this is just a philosophical defeater. I'm not saying this is 100% biblical truth. It's just to defeat the <clears throat> argument that, that was presented by yeah, again, uh, Cosmic Skeptic. If the objection is, it cannot be the case that you have libertarian freedom in heaven without evil, like right. sin evil, and serious suffering, like, like right. horrifying suffering. And what our answer All does, we have to do is come up with some possible right. explanation. And our answer defeats not only that, but the reason why God didn't just create that in the first place because of there not being a feasible world that God would actualize among all possible worlds. So. Jose Martinez says, why does Braxton like more DC when Avengers Endgame exists? Also, will there be more response videos? Okay, I am a DC fan who admits that in general, the Marvel movies have been far better than the DC movies, with the exception, of course, of Wonder Woman and the Dark Knight trilogy but movies aren't Um, the standard the dark knight trilogy is the best superhero thing ever made movies are not the standard for which you determine whether or not you're a dc right comic fan comics or a marvel comic fan and well it's not only the comics but it's not only the movies and the movies are not the the the, this criteria by which you judge that it may be a small part of it and if you're a Marvel person, it may be beneficial to you that your movies are far superior because you yeah. have that for bragging rights. It helps your case. Right. But you've got to consider the animated catalogs. You have to, in addition to the movies, uh, the live action television programming, in addition to, and DC is killing it compared to Marvel on the television front. I mean, it's not even close. Yeah. Uh, which especially matters a lot the, more than movies these days. Yeah. Which is, which is, which is, Weird because but, I mean, when Daredevil got canceled off of Netflix or whatever, uh, and 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 the other Netflix shows were okay. I mean, Iron Fist didn't do anything for Marvel television. Um, Agents of Shield, I stopped watching that years ago. So, so the, movies are not the 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 determinative factor of whether or not you prefer one comic book company over another. But DC, in terms of comics, it is objectively true that DC is better. But thank you for asking a question that and actually is also, important. Also, will there be more response videos? Of course, of course, there'll be more response videos. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, okay. What else do we have here? You saw some more you wanted to talk about, Pritchett? Uh, sounded like you said there were a lot of good questions. Well, our statements. Uh, I correct myself. Can't we just say they willingly leave their sin? behind one that's exactly what that if that's an easier 
that meshes with what we're saying. We're just flattening it out. We're, we're just flattening it out. We're, flattening we're giving it. you a simpler yeah. explanation. Yeah. So when I defend Molinism, which of course is the belief that God not only knows everything that has happened, is happening, and will happen, but also knows what would have been the case under other circumstances where you get into all this talk about possible world and counterfactuals of creaturely freedom and actual worlds and feasible worlds and all that. That sounds like a bunch of philosophical jargon, but here's how you can find out if someone's really a Molinist. Yeah. A mere Molinist. Go up to a little old lady at church who doesn't know anything about what this discussion that we're having right now and say to her, ask her this question. Do you believe God knows everything that ever has happened, is happening, and will happen? She will say yes, unless you found the one old lady in America who's an open theist. And, and then when she says yes, then ask her this question. Do you think that if we hadn't had this conversation right now, God knows who you would be talking to and who I would be talking to instead and what we'd be talking about? She will say, yes, of course God would know that. And then you inform her, you're a Molinist. That's what you do. Just that, like that. That's a you may be a self-loathing <laughs> Molinist like my friend Pritchett, but you're a Molinist nonetheless. Okay. Zam. He's the... Uh, the Zom. The, you wanted Zom. Zom. The, the prime stand. Okay. What arguments are there to prove that God is a necessary being or is it presupposed? Well, you can use contingency arguments to get to having yeah. a first, so, first mover. But... Okay. It, 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 it's also presupposed because when we use the word God, we're talking about a necessary being. So it's kind of by definition, that's what we mean. So you can have arguments to demonstrate the necessity of a prime mover, so to speak. Uh, but if they want, if you get the dumb, who, who, who created God question from hack atheists that when you get done giggling at the question, just say, if, if that's, if, if you're talking about, uh, a being that needs to be created by another being, then we're not having the same conversation about the same subject, and you need to go read a philosophy book. So it's by <laughs> definition, but there's also he's responding to a hypothetical yeah. person, not you, Zom. Right. We love it's, you. So, so it's not just presupposed um, or by definition. You can use contingency so, arguments. But here's to show a simple that. argument yeah. for you: is um, there are contingent things and necessary things. This is not really something that needs to be debated. I mean, it is debated sometimes. Uh, even Swinburne isn't completely sold, but, um, in general, uh, and by the way, IP's got a great, I don't know if he's still here, but he's got a great video on, on the Leibnizian cosmological argument or contingency argument. And, um, what, what we're saying is a contingent, th a contingent thing is something that's existence is explained by something else. A necessary thing is something that's existence is explained within itself. And so, um, contingent things are like you and I, we didn't have to exist. We can point to the reason for our existence by pointing to our parents. Um, this U2 Joshua Tree coffee cup didn't have to That exist. he hasn't washed in months, probably. You, you don't wash a coffee cup as often as you do other cups. But anyway, um, as you become more of a coffee drinker, you'll realize it's, that. But but anyway, the, the point is it didn't have to exist. We can it's in the Bible. Cleanliness by, is next to godliness. We can, Look it up. we can explain it by other things. That includes coffee. Mix. So you begin a chain of contingent things going back and back and back. I'm kidding. That's not and every, it seems everything physical in the universe is explained by something else. It seems like the universe itself needs an explanation. And so ultimately you would have to have something that's explanation is bound up within itself, something that is necessary. And when you, when you cash out what that comes to, like you would do with a Kalam 
cosmological argument, you end up with, if you, if you want to avoid that infinite chain, which is impossible, you get to a necessary being that's existence is explained within itself. And if it's going to serve as the cause of these other contingent things, we would provide further arguments that would demonstrate that it needs to be a personal agent. So that's kind of how that goes. Um, actually, it's interesting, Jonathan, um, Frederick Copleston, Christian versus uh, Bertrand Russell actually had a radio debate on the contingency argument that you can actually find online and listen to. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? So, uh, yeah, Jaden Havener says, let me see if I can find it. Wait, we got a super chat. If God created nothing, would sin exist? Well, surely not. If God created nothing, sin would not exist. Right. But existence is a counterbalancing good that outweighs um, sin. There it is. There, Yeah, here it is. All right. How would you respond to Alex's comment about how he says that, yes, without wrongdoing, someone uh, without wronging someone, there is no forgiveness. However, it would be better that there is no evil to forgive. So I, I kind of indirectly responded to this earlier in the in the uh, in the stream because I was mentioning how um, with, you know, if, if you want to say if you want to say, all right. Um, maybe if there had been like, maybe there was a, a world that God could have actualized where everyone would freely only do the right thing, then you wouldn't have like courage or virtue, these kind of virtues. Right. Um, and perhaps, perhaps that is the world God would have actualized. You won't get many apologists giving this answer, but perhaps that is the world God would have actualized, but perhaps there wasn't a feasible world for God to create where free creatures freely do only the right thing. Given that, that there will be wrongdoing in any world of free creatures God could actualize. Given that, then you you would, as a wonderful byproduct of the fact that there is evil, God is able to redeem that evil. And we get these virtues uh, like forgiveness and courage and all those kind of things, these goods, so that it actually turns out that we get to experience those anyways. Yeah. So the, it, the, the answer to that question is really bound up in, it's a moot point, if we're right— that there is no world of libertarianly free creatures where that where it happens that no one ever commits sin. Okay, there's also a, a thing that you, that needs to be kind of clarified um, with that. So, in any instance of evil for which I will need to forgive somebody, it would have always been better to me that it never occurred than that evil have occur that evil occurring and then I have to forgive somebody, right? Regardless of what good it does for me, I can always say it would have been better had I not had to deal with the evil and forgive someone for any instance. Now, you can extrapolate that for anybody, anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. But it still doesn't follow from that, that therefore it would be better in some other sense that no evil occurred so that there would never have to be forgiveness. That doesn't even follow. I don't think you can make that claim from my instance that I would have rather it never happened and make that claim every single time. But that's not even true now because there are things that uh, that have happened to me that were evil that I have forgiven that um, relationships have been built. I have done evil to others that had I not done the evil and been forgiven, 
right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have those relationships. So I don't know that that's even true anyway, but even if it was, it doesn't follow that every instance of evil that I'd rather not occur multiplied by everyone who could say the same thing about every instance of evil, that therefore it's better that no evil ever occurred, so no forgiveness. Because <laughs> we, we don't have the standard to measure whether or not forgiveness is better or worse than any evil anyway. So the question, I don't know, comes from a place of preference. But I can state things in my life uh, where I have done evil and and the person that I wronged forgave me and a new relationship was created out of yeah. that that was better than the evil and that would not have been possible had there been no forgiveness. Yep. Because the good outweighed the evil. Now, sure, that, that, that doesn't account for like things like where I have to forgive my son's murderer or my daughter's rapist or whatever. But there are still stories out there where the forgiveness led to certain things. So, I mean, you know, it just goes back to this normal problem of evil thing that when you lack the omniscience to see how it all goes, you're, you lack the perspective to make that claim that it would have been better had there been no need for forgiveness. Excuse me, but says Braxton is able to ignore the heckling at this level. Jonathan needs to ratchet it up. <laughs> he does get uh, sidetracked with the comments quite a bit, doesn't he? Um, but hey, everybody streams different. Uh, let's see. What did we, there was one other one I wanted to get to yeah, at you least. Scroll past some. I did. Um, there, there's the Alex thing. So go down. I take Is back God my considered a brute force or a brute fact. You want to get that one, or you did, can handle it, huh? You can go. I, I don't. A brute fact, okay, so um, I don't really, if you want to say, in a sense, yes, fine. You mean just a given? Okay, yeah. But because we have arguments for it, we're not just postulating God, therefore, all of our conclusions, right? So we argue to God. So I don't want to say that brute facts are identical to necessary beings, right? Those things are not the same, but... If at a low-hanging fruit level you want to say that, that I'm postulating God as a, neg- as a necessary being the same way that someone would postulate a brute fact about the cosmos without providing any further evidence, um, you could probably lay that pretty easily at a presuppositionalist because they jettison the arguments and skip to the conclusion and then argue from there. But me, not really. <clears throat> T. Last no. says, could you speak to Layton's eternal now perspective in juxtaposition to Molinism? Is Molinism necessary? I'm so glad you brought this up because frankly, I've wanted to mention this, uh, but never found the right opportunity. So the eternal now idea is, is the, is basically the idea that from God's perspective, um, he sees everything all at once. Okay. Uh, the, the problem I have with the eternal now language is it sounds like you're affirming a B theory of time or presentism. Well, presentism wouldn't work for that. So a B theory of time is the, I, so the A theory of time says the future, the past was real, but it's not real now. It's not like 1967 exists somewhere. Uh, It's not real now. It's not real. Presentism would say only now exists. The future nor the past do not ever yeah, they're not even it, real. Okay. It's just always the. But now let's just stick with A and B because it's, it's difficult. So the, the past okay. did exist, but it doesn't exist. The future will exist, but it doesn't exist yet. But but now, right now, exists. That's a theory of time. 
The B theory of time says the future exists, the past exists, and now exists. And that's why all your time travel movies exist on a B theory of time, because the idea is you could actually travel to. There is a past that exists to travel to or a future that exists to travel to. We're on A theory. There is no past to travel to. The past was real, but it is no longer real. The future will be real, but it is not yet real. Whereas on B theory and back to the future operates on B theory, you can go to the future and you can go back to the past. And in fact, inspiring philosophy, I think, holds to a B theory of time. You can correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I think that's the case. I hold to an A theory. William Lane Craig holds to an A theory. Um, There are reasons for that. But here's now you know why he holds to an A theory. No, that's not true. (laughs) Although he is a strong influence in my thinking, but I've already said here in this stream where I where he's wrong. Um, but, uh, but so the eternal now view sounds like a B theory, but I actually agree with it. If what Leighton means by it is God is aware of the whole thing as if the whole timeline is in a snow globe and he sees it. I I certainly agree with that. Sees it in a perceptive aware of it. He's aware of it. But, but, but here's the thing. The, the Molinist idea really addresses a different question. Um, you know, that that's not really the Molinism thing. So that that's just a question of God's omniscience as it relates to everything that happens in the actual world. Yeah. But if you're talking about what would have been the case in other worlds, other possible worlds or feasible worlds. Where B theory is still that, true. That's a, Molinism that's, can work on B theory because yeah. God can have the principle of alternative possibility, the knowledge of PAP, right? And mm-hmm. counterfactual knowledge. He could have that about other possible worlds in which operate on a B theory of time. So it's, Unapologetic uh, Apologist says, IP and I debated that on my channel. So go check that out. And he also says that he and Trent Doherty did a debate review of the debate that we've been discussing on this episode. Yeah. So, you know, we've gone for an hour and nine minutes. I think we're going to try to wrap it up now. Um, but I appreciate you all being here. Thank you so much. And thank you for the super chats. We we are constantly blown away. If you really want to help us, we would encourage people that really want to help. We don't expect this. We don't require this, obviously. We will do this for free. One but, more. The programmer has one. Um, that you're going to answer? Let's see. Since Lucifer sinned against God, why say it is not possible to sin in heaven? If it is not possible to sin in heaven, why couldn't God create heaven in the first place. Wow, go watch the preview. Every bit of that has been answered in this entire Well, program. be cool to the programmer. The programmer's a good guy. I know. Or gal. I don't know. Uh, but I'm just saying, go watch the entire episode from the beginning because every bit of that has been uh, discussed already. We yeah, sim- simply so. put, okay. part of the reason, we're in the sandbox right now. We're yeah. experiencing an existence that is going to ultimately result in the possibility of a sinless and uh, a world without the level of immense suffering that, that we experience um, in, in the, in the previous state where this happened with loose, by the way, Lucifer, don't say Lucifer, <laughs> not, not being uncool, but, but, um, but look into that. Why Lucifer is not a proper name for the Satan. Oh, there's <laughs> right, the so. best question to end on. We'll end we, on we will. Yeah. Well, I, I yes. see it out of the corner of my, eye. Yes. but, but, uh, but that happened that that happened in the past is no guarantee that it will happen in the future or reason to think it will happen in the future for the reasons we've been providing throughout the show. Right. Um, all right. So here we go. Last question. We never said it was not possible, by the way. Pay close attention to the words. Braxton, do you think Octune Baby exists in heaven? Because I'm pretty sure that's where it came from. Oh, wow. Octune Baby is the quintessential change in U2's direction from being the rock band that they were in the eighties to the band that they were in the nineties. 
it is it has been it is the reason likely that U2 was not only named the band of the 80s but was named the band of the 90s um and it was it it, it listen if you're a musician out there appreciate this fact a band that is able to diametrically change the way their sound is and then maintain the level of success that they previously had that is a powerful move. That is a powerful ability. And if you can do that, it's risky. It's risky. It's impressive because sometimes when bands switch up their style, mm-hmm. um, their their success goes plummeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. A recent example I can remember before I stopped listening to music that's come out, you know, so I stopped listening to contemporary recent releases. I remember when uh, I liked back in the 2000, 99, 2000, I liked um, Lincoln Park. I thought they were a good band, but their—I think it was their third album. They changed their style a little bit, and uh, I don't think I ever paid attention to them again. Whereas Octung Baby is still some of my favorite songs are in my YouTube playlist. Do you know yeah. what my favorite song is from that album? No, but I can tell you what mine is. What is it? Huh? What's your favorite? I've told you before. Mysterious Ways? No. The Fly? No. Um, Ultraviolet? No. Um, I've told you this. Uh, Love is Blindness? No. Uh, don't keep me guessing. What? Huh? What is it? Numb. Numb? Numb's not on Octane Baby. It's not? No. Come on now. What now was Numb on? Pop? Shh. You call yourself a fan. No, I don't call myself a Braxton Hunter fan. I liked that song. I thought that was Numb, on Baby. Numb was a single off. Does anybody know? Does anybody know what it was off of? Yeah, John P. I'm I'm with you on Ultraviolet. A close second to that um, would be Acrobat. I, I thought Acrobat's Numb, I thought Numb was on that album. Zeropa. It's on Zeropa. Okay, see, I get that whole era is a blur. Yeah. Because I listen. You're numb to it. Okay, then I guess um, Mysterious Ways would be my favorite one. It was a very popular one. Uh, this is going nowhere. We're losing people, viewers, by the second. But thank you so much for that. Uh, but okay. Numb is my favorite YouTube okay. song, by the way. Jeff says, doesn't the fact Satan comes back in a thousand years and pulls more with him prove that sin is still possible in heaven? I guess that depends on one's view of eschatology. Yep. John P. got it right. John P. is a YouTube fan. Um, yeah, well, that, I'm, that, I'm that, a that... casual fan. Octung Baby... Uh, I'm older than you, though. Joshua Tree is my YouTube. Yeah, Joshua Tree is great. But if you're like me, you recognize the beauty in the entire catalog. With the, I don't. With, How to Dismantle an Atomic ri- Bomb is the most garbage album. Uh, it won more Grammys it's still, than any single it's album. It's still a terrible album. It's fantastic. No, it isn't. It's got Yahweh. What are you talking it's about? It's not a good album. Um, last, last comment. Babyface is the worst U2 song ever written. And with that, we'll see you next time on Trinity Radio.